Hare Krishna Prabhu Maharas Prabhu. Welcome everyone to day number two of our Rasa Panchadhyaya sessions. I hope you are all well. We can begin with some Mangala Charana. Om Ajnana Timarandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shigurave Nama Shri Chaitanya Manobishtang Stapitang Yena Bhutale Svayam Rupakaramahyam Dadhati Svapadantikam Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Yutta Padakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavangscha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunatang Vitam Tang Sajivam Sadvaitam Sabadutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakan Vitangscha Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale Srimate Bhakti Vedanta Swamin Itinamine Namaste Saraswate Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paschatyadeshadarine Vancha Kalpatrubhyascha Kripa Sindhubya Evacha Patitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Nama E Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dinabando Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Tapta Kanchana Gaurangi Radhe Vrindavaneshvari Rishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shivasadi Gauravaktarinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Om Namo, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya 
Naram Chavanarottamam Deving Sarasvating Vyasam Tato Jayamudiraye Nashta Praeshvabadreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavati Uttamashloke Bhakti Bhavati Nashtiki Shimat Bhagavatam Puranam Amalam Yat Vaishnavanam Priyam Yasmin, yasmin Paramahangsyam Ekam Amalam Gyanam Parangiyate Tatra Gyana Viraga Bhakti Sahit Sahitam Naishkarmyam Aviskritam Tatshinvan Supatan Vicharanaparo Bhaktyavimuchenara Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare So welcome back to our exciting continuation of our uh, exploration of the Rasa Panchadhyaya chapters 29 through 33 of the 10th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam, arguably the most important five chapters of the entire Bhagavatam, certainly central uh, for followers of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and uh, we can say the center of the lotus of the Srimad Bhagavatam, or if we want to think of the Bhagavatam as, as a yantra, and then all of the all of the um, eleven cantos surrounding the tenth canto, uh, and then within the tenth canto we have these five chapters in the center. Mm. Uh, I I didn't mention yesterday, but I <laughs> and I guess it's not necessary. But I assume you all have. Uh, the text in front of you, um, so we can be referring to it. I believe there were a couple of you who wanted to comment something or ask something at the end of yesterday's session. So uh, do we want to take these comments now? Anantagor Sundar Prabhu, yes. Maharaj's verse uh, was number 27. Sravana Darshana Dhyana Mai Bhavanu Kritenat. Natatatha Nikarsina Kritiyat Tadograhan. So this same verse Krishna speaks in the... Uh, when Brahmana's wives also arrive. So same uh, verse is given in 10, 23, 33. Sorry, and, uh, sorry, find, wait, wait, wait. Which verse number? Uh, Maharaj, this is 10, 29, 27. 27, okay. Mm-hmm. And same verse there in 2333. Uh-huh. Exact same verse. Yes, my all the line. So uh but my question was that 
we find the response is just opposite. Their Brahmana's wives, they hear it and they go back. Hmm. Whereas gopis, they don't agree to go. <laughs> and they rather oppose Krishna's arguments. <laughs> so then I was trying to understand that literally, uh, is it to be taken as an instruction? Is it that uh, Krishna wanted to tell the Brahmana's wives that you are not pure enough to associate with me? That's why you go back. And uh, in case of gopis, he didn't want to speak that. And for me also, when I saw that Krishna speaking like that to the wives of Brahmanas, and they went back, I felt a little bad because ultimately we also, within the heart, desire to associate with Krishna mm. at some point of time. Yeah. So, I wanted to hear from you, Maharaj. Um, a couple of thoughts. Um, one is, my understanding is that the wives of the Brahmanas are older gopis, and they are their entire exchange with Krishna is is still even though they've left home and gone to Krishna, we can say it's still within the the uh, within the sphere of Dharma. Uh, I don't. I don't take it that their mood when leaving their husbands is, we are leaving you now. We are giving up this uh, ordinary world of Dharma and we're just going to completely take shelter of Krishna. They were completely taking shelter of Krishna, but within a frame of... Uh, we may say ordinary, so to say, ordinary dharma. And so they were instructed by Krishna to return, and they accepted that instruction to return home because that was their, that was kind of their, uh, their orientation. It wasn't their orientation in terms of rasa, my understanding is uh they were in a more of a vatsalya mood than uh madhurya and in that vatsalya mood because they heard oh krishna and balaram are, are hungry oh quick bring something for them uh and of course, the gopis, when they're coming to Krishna, it's completely different mood. It's uh, it's Madhurya, Sringara, and uh, and therefore, when Krishna says go back home, they don't take that as an instruction. <laughs> exactly, uh, they take it more as uh, as a test. That's as much as I can say now. There may be something more from commentators, but that's what I would say. Is that all right? But uh, it seems, uh, I don't know, I, I may be wrong, but it seems from Vishnu Chakvi Thakur purports that even the Brahmana's wives had some sort of uh, Madhur about looks like that. 
Uh-huh. It's been a while since I've read that, so I don't specifically re- remember. Um, well, even in that case, I would say it's a different it's a it's a different Madhurya Baba. You know, we we understand, for example, friend uh, Sakya Baba. There can be there are the younger uh, friends of Krishna, the equal friends, and the the older friends. The older friends are in a mixture of Vatsalya and Sakya. So I don't know, but it would seem to me there's more of a mix there with with the wives of the Brahmins. It's a different mood, certainly, isn't it? From the gopis who are coming now for the rasa dance. You don't get the impression when the uh, wives of the Brahmins come to Krishna that, oh, now we're with you, Krishna. Can we have a rasa dance now? Isn't it? I don't think anyone has that. They don't have that expectation. (laughs) Okay. Um, Atul Krishna. It looks like... May I ask a question, Maharaj? Mm. Uh, Maharaj, we're talking about this uh, Krishna, when he was performing this Rasalila, he was around eight years old. Mm. And generally we hear the gopis also were of the same age, not mm. very age. But here, I mean, it seems that, uh, you know, they had children, they were married. <laughs> uh, yeah. So how do we understand what was the age of gopis when they were having this Rasalila? I, I've always wondered that myself, uh, how some of them have babies if they're eight years old. <laughs> I believe this we have to take as um, a very general indication that they were young. Of course, being married at age eight would not be out of the question. Uh, but yes, to have uh, to be already having children, then that would certainly uh, be quite unimaginable. Mm. So I can't give a satisfactory answer for this. Again, there's my guess is uh, commentators have some explanation, but what it is, we may need to do some digging. Thank you, Maharaj. Yeah. Bhimala Prasad Prabhu. Excellent. Thank you, Maharaj. I, I had this question pending since yesterday. Ah. And you said there were a couple of questions. Yes. Uh, at one point of time, you seem to speak something about the language. And uh, I had this question long in my mind. I mean, somebody as scholarly as you can certainly answer this. Not necessarily. (laughs) Yeah, that's my best bet. (laughs) So, uh, as we hear, like I'm staying in Delhi, we get a chance to go to Vrindavan quite often. Mm. And the language which they use in Vrindavan, which we we known as, which we call Braj Bhasha. Can you, Maharaj, uh, point out like uh, from the historical context, is it the same kind of language 5,000 years ago? 
or oh. it was a different language. Certainly, it was, it was not Sanskrit. I understand. Yeah. But like, any ideas? Huh. Well, um, scholars of uh, historical linguistics are always telling us that languages are always changing. Mm. And uh, so we may not expect the Brajabhasa of the time of Lord Krishna to be the same as the Brajabhasa of today. Uh, the Brajbhasa of today, from what I understand, uh, is one of, I forget, it's either 14 or 18 major dialects of what has come to be called Hindi. Yes, much. And, um, and isn't it in, in Delhi you speak what they call Kadiboli? Yeah, it's like in Haryana. I mean, yeah, close by to Delhi. Oh. and they are similar. Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> how were they actually speaking at that time? That's an interesting question. Um, but I, I, I don't know if there's any way to trace it. Now, uh, from, again, because from, you asked, uh, okay, from a scholarly perspective, what we find is uh, there's the Sanskrit language, which is going back to very early times. There is Vedic language, and mm. some scholars will say, you know, Vedic, yeah, you can't, you, strictly speaking, shouldn't call it uh, Sanskrit. It's Vedic. And what we're familiar with is, of course, the classical language uh, coming from the Puranas, the Mahabharata, and so on, which was standardized uh, by Panini. Everyone agrees that he's the one who standardized the grammar. Um, and then uh, there are several what are called Prakrit languages in different parts of India. Uh, and so... For example, Pali, which is the lang the written language of early Buddhism, Buddhism. is is one of the Prakrit languages. Uh, a lot of the Jain literature is written in another Prakrit language. I forget the name of it. So, like that, different regions of India have their different Prakrits, and then you look at classical. Sanskrit drama, and within the Sanskrit drama, whenever a whenever a female speaks, whenever a woman speaks, or a person of so-called lower class, they will speak Prakrit, mm. and so you'll find in these, uh, you know. I don't know what all, from Kalidas, Kumaras, Kumarasambhava, Kumarasambhava. And, and so on. Um, these are all both Sanskrit and Prakrit. But, of course, present-day Hindi is very much, uh, it, it's close to Urdu, and Urdu, in turn, is close to Persian and Arabic. Persian. 
And so you get a lot of words in modern Hindi which are uh, coming from that side. So the word kitab, you know, this is oh. a this is an Arabic word. <laughs> Arabic. Yeah. And many of our words uh, for different foods that we offer to Krishna yeah. are actually, uh, yeah, halava, you know. Kichri. <laughs> Kichri, <laughs> yeah, all these. <laughs> Jalebi, I think. So anyway, <laughs> that's a whole other topic. I, I'm oh, no so, expert. I'm no, not. So, so the, in that sense, like if I stretch this, Hmm. Because you bought in the uh, topic of a woman or maybe some lower class. I I, I asked this question, I, I remember in Bhakti Vaibhava also, hmm. when the servants uh, of Rahugana, like they are like speaking to Rahugana, like how, and they are speaking as if they are responding in chase Sanskrit. Right. I was like quite uh, odd to think that those people who are like uh, taking the palanquin can speak uh, that kind of language. Yeah. So that question was similar in my mind. So then should, is it like stretching it too much to say that all these conversations which we find in Bhagavatam between Krishna and the gopis, and uh, as we understand, they were not exactly using Sanskrit. So they are mm. like kind of yeah. paraphrased by Vyasa. Mm. Well, that's probably a controversial topic. I'm sure there are some who will say, no, 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 this is exactly word for word what Krishna says. Mm -hmm. What we have from Vyasadeva is a, a transcription, you know, from a, from a, from a recording, <laughs> something like this. <laughs> I personally am more inclined to agree with what you're suggesting, that Vyasadeva is composing the Bhagavatam, based on his realization, uh, and and it is his composition, and he decided it's going to be all in Sanskrit. Thank you, Maharaj. Okay. Uh, Anantagor Sundar, again something? Just based on this uh, language, mm. in case of script, <clears throat> Was it always Devanagari or scripts also kept on changing in due course of time? Mm, scripts have changed so much. Uh, scholars tell us, I learned this uh, in studying in Oxford, that the earliest Devanagari text available to us is, uh, at the present time, is uh, from the 11th century of the Common Era. So it's only a thousand years. And before that, uh, there are various scripts, and the one which I know of is called Brahmi, Brahmi script. That's not Brahmi script. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe that's the script in which uh, the inscriptions of Ashoka are written. Mm. I'm not 100% sure, but something no, yes, like yes, that. Yes, it can be seen in the National Museum in Delhi. Yeah, it's a Brahmi script. And um, But as we see in uh, later Sanskrit writings in different parts of India, it was common for, uh, for those writing or copying whatever to write in their own script. And therefore, you see, uh, the works of our Goswamis, Srila Rupa Goswami, Srila Jiva Goswami, 
They're all in Bengali script. And in South India, uh, it will be in, well, it'll be in Tamil, but also they have this, what do they call it? Uh, Mani Pravala. Uh, they created a special script just for transcribing uh, and writing Sanskrit because the Tamil script is actually quite limited. It, it's sort of missing several of the letters that you find in, in Sanskrit. <laughs> okay, now that we've uh, <laughs> made, made our detour, <laughs> let's come back to the Bhagavatam and the Rasalila. And before we uh, begin with, the, with chapter 30, I want to ask you a question, um, and that is from, from what we have heard, what we have read so far in chapter 29, what can we say about the character of the gopis? And, of course, we can say, we, oh, they are, you know, completely devoted to Krishna. Yes. What else can... Is there something more that we can say um, about their character? And by character, I mean, well, in one sense, like we speak in general about people we know, um, we, we each have our different characters, our different personalities. But also in drama, and we brought this up yesterday, we can think of the Rasapanchadyaya as, as a five-act drama or play. So what kind of character uh, do the gopis have? Now, so far, uh, I believe, and perhaps throughout uh, almost entirely, they seem to be speaking as a group, uh, not much sense of individual individuality until we meet uh, that one particular gopi. <laughs> uh, yes, Hema Gopi Devi. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Um, I, f I felt they were all very stubborn <laughs> in their desire to serve Krishna. Okay. And I also felt that if Krishna actually wanted them to go, they would have left. So they actually understand that Krishna wants them to stay. You know? uh -huh. They wanted to please Krishna. And if it meant going away, they would have done it. But uh -huh. because Krishna wanted them to stay, whatever he may externally say, they mm. understood his mood and they stayed uh in a very stubborn way, you know, even if it yeah, means yeah. like rejecting this. <laughs> okay. So, stubbornness. Very good. Thank you. Um, Vimal Prasad, do you have a comment to this also? Uh, yes, Maharaj. I would say that all the characteristics generally in this society we live, which are associated to men, are actually can be seen in, in this these gopis. They were bold. Uh -huh. They were not docile to say the least. Uh -huh. And they're very brave. Uh -huh. You don't go to at the dead of the night in a, in into a forest. Uh 
yeah. like that. And if we take that as eight year olds, that's <laughs> exceptionally brave. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, and they are like uh, very, uh, as Mataji said, stubborn. And I would say uh, they are also very outspoken in that sense. Like the kind yeah. of generally docile women are not supposed to speak much. So they're generally uh, mm-hmm. uh, more down all the stereotypical uh, characteristics <laughs> that are associated with submissive, quote-unquote, women. Yes, very interesting point. And, uh, and, and one can extend your point uh, in, in, a, in some respect to say that the Bhagavatam as a whole in some degree is uh, giving a somewhat revolutionary presentation of, of women. Uh, we, we meet extremely spiritually qualified women, for one thing, in the third canto, Devahuti, and so on. And mm, as you said, they're outspoken, they're bold, they're brave, and all of these uh, features are there. And so the, so they're breaking the stereotypes which much of uh, classical Indian liter- literature would be likely to give. Yeah. Um, Rasamayi Devi. Hare Krishna, Maharaj, please. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Maharaj, I would go for, I would take that uh, they were uh, simple village women uh, mm. who were outspoken, of course, and uh, who knew what they want and they would uh, not want to, uh, they would, uh, uh, they were not cunning or, uh, you know, mm. they were just straightforward and they mm. knew what they want. Oh, okay. That's an, uh, thank you. That's also an interesting point. Village. Um, maybe this is my stereotype in my mind, but village women, uh, I think of as being really very <laughs> straightforward, <laughs> uh, even even tough. Uh, so, so they are just uh, being themselves as as village girls. Uh, thank you, Ramakrishna. Prabhu. As we see from the various chapters of uh, the Bhagavatam till we come up to this point of Rasalila, there has been many meetings of uh, the gopis with Krishna mm. in uh, different occasions. So it was almost like uh, they had the same kind of a childhood journey right from the time. And so they could draw many parallels of uh, what Krishna would mean at what time and whether by his eyes, by his glances, by his words. So they had some sort of a complete history of what actually Krishna wants to say. Uh And (laughs) even though when he would say, you go away, they really understand that's not what Krishna actually is meaning. (laughs) So they can probably read him better than what Krishna can actually speak. That's the reason why uh, they express. And at the same time, they also felt at moments like what we see from different expressions that uh, uh, 
since we cannot go back to Raj again, back to our homes, and uh, they were considering, is it better that we can actually drown ourselves or burn ourselves in different ways? That, uh, but at the same time, they were saying, will that actually give pleasure to Krishna? Mm. So that contemplation was quite deep, and they really wanted to meet the lover to see him soften his speech and actually fulfill the desires and his promises. So the only reason that they could do that was they had to stay back. And uh, that was very prominently seen at uh, different uh, conversations that actually took place. Mm. That's an interesting point, too, that they know Krishna very well because they've been growing up with him. <laughs> so, so they know uh, what he means even when he says something the opposite of what he actually means. Uh, that's very nice. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Mahaprabhu Kripa Prabhu. Uh, sorry, I, I should rename my account. It's Krishna Kanedas. Oh. Uh, I, I want to add the. Uh, one small point it seems like the gopis uh, like highly intelligent because they responded to krishna uh, regarding the uh, the about religious duties of the woman they said the the final goal of all religious duties is to uh, please krishna Mm -hmm. So and they they neglected their duties because of uh, like uh, knowledge, not because of mm. they they just uh, want to break the rules. Right. No, they 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 saw the final goal, therefore they did it. Mm, thank you. Yes, they could they could um, they could hold hold a an intelligent. Uh, conversation with Krishna about theology <laughs> uh, because they knew their theology. <laughs> uh, they could uh, they could defeat Krishna essentially. I'm thinking another uh, characteristic of the gopis is that they are expert rhetoricians. A rhetorician, uh, rhetoric, of course, is speech meant to persuade. That would be an essential uh, definition, perhaps, of re rhetoric. So they are expert rhetoricians. Uh, they persuade Krishna. We talked about some of the rhetorical questions they ask, but all of uh, what they say uh, serves their purpose of persuading Krishna, and of course, they're successful. Um, maybe uh, another, this is extremely hypothetical, but supposing, or perhaps we can't even imagine, because we, we're familiar with the story, what if Krishna in the beginning, played his flute. Uh, the gopis left their homes, came running to Krishna, and he immediately accepted them 
and accepted their proposal, let us dance, and the dance begins. What would be the... What would be the effect? What would be missing <laughs> in this uh, story? Would we have a story at all? The sweet exchanges what they had. Ah, uh, we would be missing those sweet exchanges. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And because we would miss we would miss those sweet exchanges, and we would also miss a dramatic element, wouldn't we? It wouldn't, and therefore, uh, it sounds kind of strange to put it this way, but it wouldn't be so interesting. <laughs> it wouldn't be so interesting. Uh, it's interesting because of this. Difficulty. Um, okay, Hari Lila Prabhu. Yeah, I was thinking that uh, the intensity would be missing because uh, uh, because of Krishna's dialogue uh, dialogue with them, which basically he said that uh, you please go back. Uh, then the intensity of of both both gopis and krishna uh, it was enhanced uh, multifold because the gopis were determined to be with krishna mm. and uh, because the gopis were determined with krishna krishna became more determined to fulfill their desire mm. so the essential element of uh, of uh, of rasa uh, if we say the essential element of rasa is the intensity of love, uh, then uh, the initial dialogue is the foundation for the intensity. Mm. That's what I would... Uh, I would Very nicely. Thank you. Very nicely put. Uh, the initial dialogue becomes the foundation for the intensity. And uh, we can say that uh, just following with that, uh, the dance which Krishna then initiates after the conversation, after he agrees, uh, we, can, uh, we can understand that dance is now very intense uh, in terms of emotion because uh, the gopis successfully demonstrated their resolve, uh, their demonstrated the intensity of their love. Now the dance becomes a playing out of uh, that intensity, of that exchange of intense intensity. Um, <laughs> looks like we're going to have an ongoing conversation here. Let's see. Prema Bhakti Rasa. Oh, Mataji, sorry. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Um, uh, also, uh, we read in last chapter, uh, the Acharyas give the commentary that um, a hungry person, when he's very hungry, this pain of hunger increases the happiness when he gets the food ultimately. Uh -huh. Excellent food. 
Oh yes. So so this hunger enhances the pleasure of eating. Oh right. <laughs> really here uh, this tussle is going on. <laughs> yeah. uh, nice drama is going on so it increases the the joy the pleasure of meeting later then. So that is one reason. Thank you. Thank you. That's nice. And let's say one more, one, once more, Ramakrishna Prabhu. Ramakrishna Maharaj. In this uh, entire episode, we see a tug of war between submission and acceptance. Krishna was uh, really trying to test the gopis, and he wanted that they actually voluntarily submit in the sense he wanted to hear from them what is their internal desire which Krishna has to fulfill. Mm. So to get that, he had to first reject mm. and thereby he would set up a scene in which they would express that Krishna, we would like you to do this. Mm -hmm. So if that was absent, then one could actually, as you, as you began this uh, um, dialogue, that what would happen if it, he would have immediately accepted and then there would be a beginner dance, then it would become as though Krishna was the initiator and um, he actually took the advantage. Mm. But here Krishna is establishing, that is the gopis who took the lead and Krishna just uh, facilitated with that. Right. So thereby <laughs> his, yeah. his blemish would never be at, uh, at stake. Yes, and, very uh, nice. It would make that it is the gopis who actually took the first step, and he facilitated. And and Krishna is, he just happened to be in the forest, and it happened to be full moon, beautiful, and he just happened to have his flute, and he just felt like playing his flute. <laughs> but yes, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, I think, shall we proceed with chapter 30, uh, which is the gopis search for Krishna. Now, of course, at the very end of chapter 29, what happens? There's a, we can say, a kind of dramatic reversal. And for the gopis, we can say it is a reversal in the sense that Prabhupada would often use the word um, something apparently unfortunate or a misfortune happens. And it all happens, as, as described here, quite suddenly. Um, we have a description that they're dancing and everything is very wonderful. Uh, Krishna's exchanging so many sweet ways with the gopis. But then Krishna detects that the gopis have become proud. And what does he do? He disappears. He suddenly is gone. He makes no announcement. Now I'm going to leave because I see that you are proud. Uh, too proud, so now I'm sorry, but I'm going to leave you now. No, he just doesn't say a word. He just goes. Okay. Um, 
Maybe I'll read uh, the first few verses. Shishukovacha Antarhite Bhagavati Sahasaiva Rajangana Atapyang Stang Achakshana Karinya Ivayutapam Shugadev Goswami said When Lord Kri- sorry when Lord Krishna disappeared so suddenly the gopis felt great sorrow at losing sight of him like a group of female elephants who have lost their mate as the cowherd women remembered lord krishna their hearts were overwhelmed by his movements and loving smiles his playful glances and enchanting talks and by the many other pastimes he would enjoy with them thus absorbed in thoughts of krishna the lord of rama the gopis began acting out his various transcendental pastimes because the beloved gopis were absorbed in thoughts of their beloved krishna their bodies imitated his way of moving and smiling his way of beholding them his speech and his other distinctive features deeply immersed in thinking of him and maddened by remembering his pastimes they declared to one another i am krishna <laughs> as the sanskrit asav aham to iti uh, the iti in sanskrit often uh, functions like quotation marks uh, so uh, and here too is translated as actually and that's interesting uh, so asav him or he aham i am him i am he that's not our philosophy is it <laughs> are we sure the gopis know their philosophy <laughs> i think we can discuss uh, this is an interesting uh point and we can come back to it uh it's going to come again in this chapter that the gopis are declaring themselves to be krishna or identifying themselves as krishna okay who wants to read uh the next 4 5 uh through verse number 8 can i maraj okay singing loudly of krishna they searched for him throughout the vrindavana forest like a band of mad women <laughs> they even asked the trees about him who as the super soul is present inside and outside of all created things just like the sky verse number 5 the gopis said o ashwatha tree o plaksha o nagroda 
Have you seen Krishna? That son of Nanda Maharaja has gone away after stealing our minds with his loving smiles and glances. Verse number 6. O Kurabaka tree, O Ashoka, O Naga, Pannaga, and Champaka, has Balarama's anger brother, whose smile removes the audacity of all proud women, passed this way? Verse number 7. O most kind Tulsi, to whom the feet of Govinda are so dear, have you seen that infallible one walk by, wearing you and encircled by swarms of bees? Verse number 8. O Malati, O Mallika, O Jati and Yutika, has Madhava gone by here, giving you pleasure with the touch of his hand? Mm. Verse number 9. Okay, one, yes, one more verse you can read. O Chuta, O Priyala, O Panasa, Asana, and Kovidara, O Jambu, O Arka, O Bilva, Bakula, and Amra, O Kadamba, and Nipa, and all you other plants and trees living by the banks of Emuna who have dedicated your very existence to the welfare of the others, we gopis have lost our minds. So, please tell us where Krishna has gone. <laughs> Thank you, Maharaj. Thank you. Yeah, I'm just noticing um, in the purport, it's mentioned uh, that uh, to this last verse, it's mentioned that um, one of the plants that the gopis address is the Arka plant. And the Arca plant is apparently not a very prominent plant. I don't know how it looks. Uh, but the, uh, this has significance that they address this plant. And what is the significance? The significance is that it shows how desperate they are. <laughs> They're even asking an Arca plant. <laughs> I suppose it would be something like... Uh, you know, approaching a dandelion, uh, which is a kind of lowly, uh, usually considered like a weed in the West. So what do we have happening here in common? One thing we have is a lot of questioning. It's all in the form of a question. And of course, what is the question? The question is, where is Krishna? Where is Krishna? They want to see Krishna. Where is he? He's disappeared. He must be somewhere around here. And they're addressing these uh, various plants and trees. And how to understand that? It says in verse number, was it four? Yes. Vichikyur unmat. Takavat, like mad women. So if you were, you know, if you saw me walking around mm, somewhere outside 
somewhere in the garden of uh, the Shidamayapur Chandradoy Mandir, the garden behind. And you saw me talking to the bushes and the flowers and the trees. Uh, you might be concerned, <laughs> right? He's not in his right mind, or what happened? <laughs> what is what is happening with him? Um, but what is this? What is this madness? So much in the Bhagavatam is is reversing the ordinary order of things to highlight the glories of bhakti, right? And so what appears as madness in this particular case, the gopis talking with, uh, calling out to various trees and so on, uh, what appears as madness is actually the greatest sanity. Uh, Srila Prabhupada uh, spoke about who is crazy, and I believe he inspired one of the early devotees, I don't remember who it was, to write an article which uh, was published in Back to Godhead that, um, you know, who is, who's actually crazy? They, uh, the people in general, the public, see the Hare Krishnas and they see them dancing and chanting and, um, and they think, oh, they are crazy. But we look at those who are not chanting and dancing and we say, actually, you are crazy. So who is crazy and how do we judge so here what we're getting, one way of seeing what we're reading here is uh, the paradigmatic case of transcendental madness, which is the highest sanity, appearing as unmata, uh, but in fact being the highest sanity. So, um, I I see your hand, Prema Bhakti Rasa Devi, and I don't know if you want to respond specifically to this. Otherwise, we could keep reading. Maharaj, mm. uh, uh, hearing all these uh, verses, I was remembering uh, Ramayan. Um, mm. Lord Ram, when when Sita was abducted by Ravana. Hmm. Lord Ram and Lakshman were also looking for Sita and asking for the trees and oh bushes yeah and... yeah yeah. So is that in Val <laughs> is that in Valmiki Ramayana or is that in the Ramcharit Manas? Prabhuji, uh, Maharaj, more detail in Valmiki Ramayana. Oh okay. Yeah, that's interesting. So that's that would um, suggest another point which I was making yesterday briefly in the beginning, to think of the Bhagavatam as being in the center of a kind of mandala um, in which on one side we have the Veda and other uh, shastras, uh, 
I suggested on the bottom, the south side, so to say, you'd have the Veda and then also uh, the Ramayana and the Mahabharata. And there's a there's an echo, there's a kind of echo uh, that that goes in which the Bhagavatam is echoing uh, the in this case uh, a passage in the Ramayana, and that echo is nice because it draws us more deeply into hmm, Krishna, in this case Krishna, a connection with Lord Rama and so on. Thank you. Yes, nice. Okay. Well, let's keep going. Um, next, we have uh, verse number 10. So they're going to make a change now. and tr- They haven't gotten any answers yet. <laughs> and the Acharyas, Vishwanath Chagavati Thakur especially, um, explains some of the reasoning of the gopis why they're addressing each of these different sorts of um, flora. And it, it brings out ideas of um, some party spirits. Oh, you, you're you on Krishna's side, so you're not going to answer us. Tulsi, you're going to uh, answer us because you're on our side. <laughs> you are one of us, uh, that sort of thing. But now they're turning to the earth. Um, let's read 10, 12, let's read up to, through 13, just 10 through 13. Who wants to read? Maharaj, may I Oops. Uh, I hear two voices. <laughs> Go ahead. Please read, Maharaj. Thank you so much, Hema Gopi Madhaj. So, um, verse number 10. Mm. Oh, Mother Earth, what austerity did you perform to attain the touch of Lord Keshava's lotus feet, which has brought you such great joy that your bodily hairs are standing on end? You appear very beautiful in this condition. Was it during the Lord's current appearance that you acquired this ecstatic symptom? Or was it perhaps much earlier? when he stepped upon you in his form of the dwarf Ramande, or even earlier when he embraced you in his form of the boar Varade. Text 11. O friend, wife of the deer, has Lord Achuta been here with his beloved, bringing great joy to your eyes? Indeed, blowing this way is the fragrance of his garland of kunda flowers which was sneered with the kumkum from the breasts of his girlfriend when he embraced her. Mm-hmm. O oh, trees, we see that you are bowing down. When the younger brother of Ram walked by here, followed by intoxicated bees fawning around the Tulsi manjaris decorated with, decorating his garland, did he acknowledge your obeisances with his affectionate glances? He must have been resting his arm on the shoulder of his beloved and carrying a lotus flower in his free hand. Mm. Text 13. Let us ask these creepers about Krishna. Even though they are embracing the arms of their husband, this tree, they certainly must have been touched by Krishna's fingernails, since out of joy, they are manifesting eruptions on their skin. Mm. Text 14. 
Thank you. Thank you, yes. Um, now, one thing that we're going to see more of uh, later in this chapter is how the gopis become detectives. <laughs> uh, they are sleuthing. They see clues of uh, Krishna's action, Krishna's behavior, especially, of course, later when they see the footprints, uh, then they're going to uh, analyze his behavior. They're going to be using pratyaksha and anumana to understand what Krishna is doing, although they don't see him directly. So here uh, in this Mm. Verse 13, this tree, they certainly must have been touched by Krishna's fingernails since, out of joy, they're manifesting eruptions on their skin. Um, I'm not sure, but I think that could be taken as a kind of artapati, mm, which is a form of pramana, mm usually not taken as a important uh, pramana in by the Gaudiya Vaishnavas. There's three main pramanas, and, and then there's another seven minor pramanas. Uh, but the, the classic example of this particular type of pramana is that we see uh, a young man, his, or maybe not so young, his name is Devadatta, and we see that he is very portly, he's very well fed, um, but uh, he insists that he never eats during the day. And so we conclude, well, if he's so well-built, obviously he's eating well, he's not eating during the day, so he must be eating at night. Mm. So that that's a kind of pramana, a kind of evidence in the classical philosophical traditions. So I think we get some of that in, uh, in this chapter, maybe in different forms. In Western terminology uh, of logic, of which I'm <laughs> not at all trained, but uh, there's a term, there's deduction and there's induction, and there's also abduction. Abduction, uh, abduction means something like explan uh, finding the best explanation uh, from the evidence. In other words, we can't say absolutely that something is the case, but the, the, uh, the evidence is most reasonably explained by such and such explanation. That would be called abduction. So uh, they certainly must have touched, been touched by Krishna's fingernails since... Uh, out of joy, they are manifesting eruptions on their skin. So they're perceiving that these trees have eruptions on their skin. 
Since that's the case, what could be the cause? There must be only one cause. Any other explanation doesn't, doesn't really satisfy. Another point, we might come back to this. Uh, what are the gopis doing? They're addressing all these different entities, uh, trees and uh, other plants and the earth. Grammatically, they're speaking second person. You, such and such. Mm. <clears> oh, <throat> trees, we see that you are bowing down. So they're, they're directly addressing the trees. And of course, they're hoping to get a, a response, an address back, but they're not getting any response back. But my point here is, uh, has to do with, well, it has to do with the broad topic of ethics, uh, which is the subject of, among other things, how do we understand the best, what is the, what is the right way to act? Uh, that's, it's morality, but it's more than that, it's ethics. Uh, we might want to say in our terminology, it's just dharma, normative. It's what should be done. It's what is obligatory. What I want to say, just as a point of interest, is uh, there was a 20th century modern philosopher, a Jewish philosopher named Martin Buber. Um sort of through the mid-20th century, uh, and he became very famous, I would say, uh, for his, uh, a kind of simple point he made, that there is two sorts of relationship uh, which can be expressed. One is, uh, I say I, and then I refer to it, something inanimate. I can also say I and he, that would be third person. In both of these cases, there's no real direct relationship. If, however, I say I, thou, and thou is the sort of antique English way of saying you, I, thou, that is a direct relationship. And his point was simply, I'm sure not so simply, he elaborates in writing a whole book about it. But essentially, as soon as we say I and you, as soon as we uh, come into this relationship of, mm, of, of second-person speech, Immediately, this has uh, implications for how we behave. It immediately brings us into a sense of relationship in, in which there is um, obligation. But I think what we want to see here uh, in the chapter 30 of the gopis speaking to all these different uh, flora 
is it's an expression of intimacy, of intimacy with nature. Uh, they see nature, they see nature in relation to Krishna, and because of this, they uh, they can address nature. Okay, now who wants to read verses fourteen through? Let me get description. Through, through 20. May I read, Please, please. <laughs> Having spoken these words, the gopis, distraught from searching for Krishna, begin to act out his various pastimes, fully absorbed in, in thoughts of him. One gopi imitated Putana, while another acted like infant Krishna and pretended to suck her breast. Another gopi, crying in imitation of infant Krishna, kicked a gopi who was taking the role of the car demon Sakatasura. One gopi took the role of Trinavrata and carried away another who was acting like infant Krishna, while yet another gopi crawled about her ankle bells tinkling as she pulled her feet. Two gopis acted like Rama and Krishna in midst of several others who took the role of cowherd boy. One gopi enacted Krishna's killing of Daman Vatsasura, represented by another gopi, and a pair of gopis acted out the killing of Bakasura. When one gopi perfectly imitated how Krishna would call the cows who had wandered far away, how he would play his flute and how he would engage in various sports, the others congratulated her with exclamations of, well done, well done. Mm. Another gopi, her mind fixed on Krishna, walked about with her arm resting on the shoulder of a friend and declared, I am Krishna. Just see how gracefully I move. <laughs> Don't be afraid of the wind and rain, said one gopi. I will save you. And with that, she lifted her shawl above her head. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sukadeva Goswami continues. Uh, let's, oh, let's, wait, let's, let's stop there for now. Thank you. Um, Okay, now this brings, this is a whole nother issue, a whole nother subject. Um, what's happening here? Gopis are, first of all, it's smaranam, right? They're remembering Krishna. And they're remembering all of these uh, pastimes of Krishna, we may say up to this uh, point of chapter 29, the earlier pastimes. They're remembering them, <clears throat> but we may say it's not enough for them to remember, they're enacting also. And they don't seem to need any rehearsal. They seem to fall right into the uh, roles and they know 
what happens and what to say um, and what to do. Um, and so one way to understand this, uh, these verses is they're, they're imitating, but they're enacting, or we can also say they are re-enacting. They're, so to say, causing Krishna's pastimes to happen again. Um, now, if we, again, think of the Rasa Panchadhyaya as a drama, then we have an interesting uh, structure. We have, in a sense, dramas within a drama. Uh, this, is a, this is a technique which is found in some classical dramatic literature. In the West, uh, famously, there's uh, an example of a drama within a drama in, the, in Shakespeare's drama, Shakespeare's play Hamlet, Hamlet, King of Denmark. Uh, which is, uh, you know, it's a terrible story. <laughs> it's, it, it ends up with everybody killing each other. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's one of his tragedies. Uh, but the hero in that story sets up, he arranges for some performers to perform a drama um, for, because he wants his uncle to watch the drama and he wants to see how his uncle reacts to the drama because the drama is going to enact essentially what Hamlet suspects that his uncle has done, namely to murder his father. Well, uh, Hare Krishna, the point is it's a drama within a drama. And here, it seems to me, we have something like that going on as well. We have drama within a drama. There's something more happening, and that is imitation. Now, we are often warned, aren't we? Don't imitate. Don't imitate other devotees. Don't... Um, we should follow. What, is, what are the terms? One is uh, anukarana and one is anu something. Anusilana. Not anushilana. Anusarana. 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 Thank you. Yes. Anusarana is, <clears throat> is uh, following the essence, right? Whereas anukarana is imitation. Monkey see, monkey do, right? So the question might be, what are the gopis doing here? Is it, is it anukarana or is it anusarana or something else? Anusharana. Anusharana. Okay, what is your argument that it's Anusharana? Well, 
Well, we're asking, would it be Anusharana or Anukarana, what the gopis are doing in these verses, describing their enacting? So the question, and you're claiming that it's Anusharana, which means they're not imitating, they're following. Mm. Yeah. And I'm asking, what is your reasoning for that? They're remembering the Lord's pastimes. They're not imitating. They're not imitating. In feeling separation, so they are remembering the Lord's pastimes. Okay. Well, um, I'd have to look closer at the Sanskrit, but the the translation is using the word imitate a few times. Uh, whether that's a literal translation of any of the words, I don't know. Um, we'd have to look. But it does, for example, verse 15, another gopi crying in imitation of infant, infant Krishna kicked a gopi. Um, anyway, it's an interesting question. Uh, a broader, uh, maybe another factor to bring into this uh, topic would be, again, coming from Western uh, aesthetic theory. And that is, uh, I think it goes back to Aristotle, maybe also to Plato, uh, the idea of what is called mimesis. And mimesis is usually translated as imitation. And there's an idea that uh, it's a kind of foundational principle of art as such. Mm. What is art? Well, art is a kind of imitation. Uh, mimesis is a Greek term, <clears throat> and uh, it, it was in contrast uh, to diegesis. What is diegesis? It's narrative. Uh, anyway, that's just getting a little abstract. But it's it's been a huge uh, issue of theorizing about, yeah, in uh, philosophy and especially in relation to art in the West is what is the place of imitation? The only point I want to make here is we can, we might want to say that the gopis are the original primordial artists. Uh, because they are enacting, whether it's imitating, uh, whatever it is, they're imitating Krishna. Of course, we may want to say Krishna is the original artist. Uh, but then, okay, Krishna is the original artist, but how is art then established in this world? We can say it begins with the gopis, and it begins in the primordial act of the gopis remembering Krishna's acts, his, his lila, and enacting or reenacting. I don't know if that makes any sense. <laughs> okay. Um, 
Anantagor Sundar, did you want to say something? Uh, I wanted to ask a question. Hmm. Like when gopis are uh, asking various trees and plants and creepers, hmm. and also we find in the previous sections when Krishna goes with Balram and tells, Krishna, uh, tells Balram that Balram, just see because of you, your presence, all the trees are going down to you. Yes. So now we suddenly understand when there are trees and creepers in the material world, their consciousness is pretty dull and they may not be literally doing it. But in case of these trees and plants, because these are trees and plants of Vrindavan, so is it that gopis are only feeling that they are doing it or literally they are doing it because of this uh, reason? <clears throat> what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I'm bouncing I'm, it back to you. <laughs> I'm confused, Maharaj. Both the possibilities are there, so difficult to predict. Okay, let's start with um, let's start with Brahma Samhita, shall we? Shriya Kanta Kanta Parama Purusha Kalpa Druma Bhumis Chintamani Ganamayi Toyamamritam. So uh Mm. Kalpataravo and Chintamani. Everything there is Chintamani. And what is Chinta? Chinta means conscious. And all the trees are uh, Kalpataru. And Toyam Amritam, the water is nectar and so on. Suggesting that uh, these trees are very much aware. Uh, and again, I believe it's explained by commentators, uh, possibly Jiva Goswami, that uh, the, the trees are anxious for Krishna to visit their forest because there's 12 major forests and so many smaller forests uh, in Vrindavan. And Krishna's not going to every forest every day, so they're anxiously waiting for Krishna to come uh, because they want to they want to see Krishna, they want to be touched by Krishna, and they want to offer their fruits to Krishna. Uh, so everything is, we may say, radically personal in Vrindavan. And that, I think, is being highlighted here. The gopis are, they're, they're not sort of ironically addressing. There's no sense of irony that, oh, let's play like we're asking the trees. No, it's we really want to, to know where is Krishna. And certainly the trees know because they see. <laughs> that's, that's the sense that I have. Okay, shall we uh, shall we take a break now? Let's take a yes, break. Ma'am. Okay. Hare Krishna. Yeah, let us continue now uh, to read. 
As I said yesterday, I'm proposing that this week we're going fairly quickly through the five chapters, reading, and I'm I'm not even pausing for for commentaries uh, within the PBT uh, edition. Uh, for the most part, although we might sometimes. Uh, but my idea is we can go back uh, next week and look more closely. And this reminds me, uh, before I forget, uh, I didn't get a chance to copy the verses, the list of verses. I think it was, what, three, four, five verses. Uh, that you have for memorizing from within the Rasa Panchadhyaya. And I also, I remember there was an idea that maybe I could join your WhatsApp group. And so I realized to do that, you need my WhatsApp number. Uh, so, Maharasa Prabhu, shall I write my number here for you? Yes, Maharaj, I'll copy it. Okay. Uh, where did it go? Ah. Okay, so. Okay, I've put it there. Yes, okay. I am not the admin for the group, so therefore uh -huh. it will take time. I'll request Radhika Nagar Prabhu to add you. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, and um, and then once I'm added, if I could get the numbers of those verses for the memorization. Right, so... Uh, proceeding with verse number 17, is it? 21, marriage. Whoops, where am I? Yeah, 21. Okay, yes, Shukadev Goswami. Okay, I think I will read a little bit. Shukadev Goswami continued, O King! One gopi climbed on another's shoulders and, putting her foot on the other's head, said, Go away from here, O wicked snake. You should know that I have taken birth in this world just to punish the envious. Then another gopi spoke up, My dear cowherd boys, look at this raging forest fire quickly. Close your eyes, and I will easily protect you. One gopi tied up her slender companion with a flower garland <laughs> and said, Now I will bind this boy who has broken the butter pots and stolen the butter. The second gopi then covered her face and beautiful eyes, pretending to be 
afraid. While the gopis were thus imitating Krishna's pastimes and asking Vrindavan's creepers and trees where Krishna, the Supreme Soul, might be, they happened to see his footprints in a corner of the forest. Mm. Okay, so a few more um, um, dramas within the drama. And the last of these is Damodar Leela. And I find it intriguing that uh, in the end it says, the second gopi then covered her face and beautiful eyes, pretending to be afraid. Beje Bhiti Vidambanam, appearing, making herself appear to be afraid. Uh, so it's play. Uh, now, the idea of play is interesting. What constitutes play? What makes something play as opposed to work? What makes something not serious? Um, if we see professional football, or no, let's say professional cricket, I think this will uh, be more engaging for those of you who are uh, growing up in India. <laughs> Uh, this this game cricket is taken very seriously, isn't it? <laughs> very seriously, and there's lots of money involved, I'm sure, uh, because this is professional sport. So one can ask, where is the line between play and work? Where is the line between? Uh, something being fun and something being serious. Um, when we see uh, baby cats, kittens, playing, they're playing with each other, and it's a kind of fighting playing, right? Or... Uh, what? Oops, what are you saying? We're getting some background sound. Uh, Srinivas Gopal, is that from your microphone? Okay. Yeah, when we see, or let's say, uh, when you see two dogs playing, you, you see this also in India. Mm, even there, they may be street dogs. They'll be chasing each other and they'll be biting each other, but it's not the real thing. It's, uh, it's play, and they seem to know with each other, we are just playing, so we're not going to actually hurt each other. You can see dogs, when they're playing, they'll bite, and they're consciously not biting too hard. 
Uh, con you can see they're very consciously not biting too hard. Uh, but they're biting. <laughs> uh, but it's play. And then we have the word uh, lila. And we understand what is lila. Lila is divine play sometimes. In English, it's been translated in various ways. Um, sometimes scholar will translate it as sport. I've my favorite translation for the word lila in English is Prabhupada's translation, pastime. Something about that word uh, is just so rich. Um, sometimes in English, the word pastime is used as you're you're just passing the time. You're you're kind of intentionally wasting time. <laughs> Uh, or you're acting in such a way that you don't really have any purpose except to fill up the time. But with Krishna's pastimes, we understand uh, there's so much more involved, isn't it? So anyway, um, and then within Krishna's pastime, here we have the gopis performing... Krishna's pastimes, they're, excuse me, re-performing them. <clears throat> okay, uh, who wants to read next? Let's start with... Uh, oh, okay, the, now they're discovering Krishna's lotus footprints. So now we come into it. A new section, uh, which I would say goes for some time now. You want to read? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I'm just trying to see where to read up to. Uh, there's a lot about footprints. Okay, let's read through verse 33. 22, 33. 20, 25. Okay, ma'am. The gopi said, the marks of a flag, lotus, thunderbolt, elephant gourd, balicon, and so forth, on, this, on these footprints, clearly distinguish them as belonging to that great soul, the son of Nanda Maharaj. The gopis began following Krishna's path, as shown by his many footprints. But when they saw that these prints were thoroughly intermixed with those of his dearmost consort, they became perturbed and spoke as follows. The gopi said, here we see the footprints of some gopi who must have been walking along with the son of Nanda Maharaja. He must, he must have put his arm on her shoulder just as an elephant rests his trunk on the shoulder of an accompanying she-elephant. Certainly, this particular gopi has perfectly worshipped the all-powerful personality of God Govinda. 
since he was so pleased with her with her that he abandoned the rest of us and brought her to a secluded place who oh, girls the dust of the govindas lotus feet is so sacred that even brahma shiva and the goddess rama rama hmm. take that take that dust upon their heads to dispel sinful reactions these footprints of that special gopi greatly disturbed us of all the gopis she alone was taken away to a secluded place where she is enjoying the lips of krishna look we can't see her footprints over here it's obvious that the grass and sprouts were hurting the tender soles of her feet and so the lover lifted up his beloved please observe my dear gopis how in this place lusty krishna's footprints are pressed more deeply into the ground carrying the weight of his beloved must have been difficult for him and over here that intelligent boy must have put her down to gather some flowers just see how in this place dear krishna collected flowers for his beloved here he has left the impression of only the front part of his feet because he was standing on his toes to reach the flowers okay certain krishna yes. sat down here with his girlfriend to arrange her hair the lusty boy must have made a crown for that lusty girl out of the flowers he had collected <laughs> okay there's um two or, there's three or four times krishna is referred to as a lusty boy uh which is kind of ironic isn't it because we understand krishna is atma rama there's no question of lust but he's referred to as common as a common kami one uh, having it's translated as lust the word kama has um, you know a spectrum of meaning so broadly speaking it can just mean desire uh but it has the general sense of desire for oneself something for one's own satisfaction so krishna is being called here in this last verse we read kesha prasadanam to atra kaminyaha kamina kritam of the lusty girl kaminyaha kamina by the lusty boy kritam was done what was done kesha prasadana the decorative arrangement of her hair um so but who is speaking it's the gopis uh who are mm, 
being detectives, they're perceiving all of this through the signs. And what are the signs that they, the indications? What is the pramana they have? It's Krishna's feet, footprints. And they detect uh, that Krishna is together with this gopi, unnamed. The closest we come to the naming, and I'm sure this is one of the verses that you're memorizing, uh, is verse 28. Anayaradito nunam bhagavan hadidishvaraha yannovihaya govinda prito yam anayat raha. This particular gopi certainly has perfectly worshipped the all-powerful personality of God at Govinda. Since he was so pleased with her that he abandoned the rest of us and brought her to a secluded place. Now, a kind of footnote to this. As I remember reading, uh, the Gita Govinda of Jayadev Goswami tells a somewhat different story. Namely, it's not that Krishna left the rasa dance and then the gopis come after Krishna. It's that Shirada Rani leaves the rasa dance and Krishna goes to follow her. Now, someone may need to, would have to do some research on this, what the commentators say, but um, I'm guessing here that the Bhagavatam may not be telling the whole story. <laughs> the whole story may be that Radharani left first. Um I say not telling the whole story because the Bhagavatam is a summary of Krishna's unlimited lila. And so in many ways, we're just getting a sketch of uh, whatever uh, pastime is there. Mm. So the, the gopis are looking very closely at Krishna's uh, footprints. And this is a major subject uh, for the commentators, whether here directly or elsewhere, like Jiva Goswami's Gopala Champu. Um, Krishna's lotus feet touching the earth is, is an... Uh, and, Krishna's lotus feet touching the earth, um, being touched by Krishna's lotus feet, being being touched by Lord Ram's lotus feet, uh, like Ahalya. Uh, she becomes freed from her curse from Gautama Muni. Krishna's powerful lotus feet. Uh, but here, the, the point is just, in verse 25, they're looking very closely at these footprints, and they see all the indications that this can only be Krishna. 
this is a kind of, to use a slightly fancy word, uh, semiology, semiotics. Semiotics is the study of signs. It's a very broad topic, which includes, uh, it includes language, it includes uh, art of all kinds. Um, any, any, any dimension of human culture where something is representing something else is semiotics, the subject. So here the gopis are getting clues. Where is Krishna? Oh, look, here are his feet. Ha. So now they're, you know, hunters are doing this. They go in the forest. We, I'm living right now, right next to a forest. And we have, in this forest, we have wild boars. We never see them. They're very shy. They come out at night. But you see they're... Um, they're hoof prints. They come out on the pathways, the mud, and you can see they've, they've been there during the night. So hunters uh, are, it's one thing they do, is they're tracking their, their prey, their game, uh, by the footprints. So now it's the gopis who are tracking Krishna. Uh, but of course their mood is completely different from that of an ordinary hunter. And then they see the footprints of another, they see another set of footprints and they conclude it must be another gopi. And then we might want to say, oh, then they start speculating. <laughs> This is transcendental speculation. This is uh, none other than the gopis seeing Krishna's lotus feet footprints uh, together with another gopis. So they know what they're talking about when they're speculating. <laughs> okay. Uh, then... We continue. Uh, do you have something urgent, Srinivas Gopalji, or shall we first well, finish reading? That, uh, Lord's pastimes are unlimited. Mm. Maybe that pastimes which they were saying it has taken place in other kalpa. Uh, pastime which who are saying? Like, like the Puri, uh, what is that called? Um, Govind. Oh, Gita Govind. Oh, Gita Govind. Yes, of course, that's another way to consider it, that uh, this is this is called uh, Anya Kalpa Nyaya. Yeah. Yeah, we can take it that way also. Okay. All right. Uh, who wants to read from verse 34? And then just through 37. Can I, Maharaj? Please. Shukadev Goswami continued, Lord Krishna enjoyed 
with that copy although he enjoys only within being self satisfied and complete in himself thus by contrast he showed the freshness of ordinary lusty men and hard hearted women as the gopis wandered about their minds completely bewildered they point pointed out various signs of krishna's pastime the particular gopi whom krishna had led into the secluded forest when he had abandoned all the other angels began to think herself the best of women my beloved has rejected all the other gopis she thought even though they are driven by cupid himself he has chosen to reciprocate with me alone mm. as the two lovers passed through one part of rundavan forest the special gopi began feeling proud of herself she told lord keshava i cannot walk any further please carry me wherever you want to go okay now what's going to happen it's going to be a kind of uh, repeat of what's already happened to all the gopis they felt some pride resulting in resulting in krishna's disappearance now this one gopi who we understand is shimati radharani she's now going to feel ha i'm the only one look at me krishna detects that pride what does he do he disappears so i will read thus address lord krishna replied just climb on my shoulder but as soon as he said this he disappeared his beloved consort then immediately felt great remorse ha nata ramana prashta kvasi kvasi mahabuja dasyas te kripanaya me sake darshaya sannidim she cried out o oh master my lover o oh dear most where are you where are you please o oh mighty armed one o oh friend show yourself to me your poor servant and uh, well let's uh, let's read this purport because we have a nice straight translation from Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur which um Ridainandamar says is a moving exchange who wants to read this Naratam you looked like you wanted to read Hi Rishi Manak Oh, except there's a difficult echo. Uh, can barely hear you now. Okay, that's better. Uh, yes, 39 purport. describes the following moving exchange. Radha says, my lord, I am being burned in the great fire of separation from you, and my life air is about to leave my body. Even with the greatest endeavor, I cannot maintain my life, but you are the lord of my life. And so, 
You can quickly save me simply by glancing upon me. Please do, do so immediately. I beg you to save my life, not for my sake, but rather for yours. After giving up all the other gopis, you've brought me so far to a secluded place in the forest just to enjoy special pleasure with me. If I die, you will not be able to find conjugal happiness anywhere else. You will remember me and thus lament in your sorrow. Krishna replies, <clears throat> So let me become unhappy. What does that matter to you? But you are most dear to me. I will feel your unhappiness millions of times more than you. Even if I've already died, I still will not be able to tolerate the pain, the pain that even one spot on the nails of your toes, of your toes, of your lotus feet, experience. Indeed, to prevent such pain, I am ready to throw my life many away, millions and millions of times. So kindly show yourself and drive away that unhappiness. Simply by the touch of your arms, which are med medicinal, herb, with the power of... The uh, you, missed, you missed one line. But if your life heir... But if your life heir is on the verge of having your body, what can I do to stop that? Simply by the touch of your arms, which are a medicinal herb, with the power to revive the dead... My body will return to its healthy, normal condition, and my life air will automatically come back and remain in my body. But you know, the forest path yourself without my help. So why did you order me, the king's son, and a very young and gentle boy who is to be respect respected? Why did you command, take me wherever you wish? Why did you... Why do you anger me like this? Radha cries, please show yourself to your rich maid servant. Be merciful to me. Be merciful. When I order you, I was overcome by sleepiness. I was so tired from playing with you. Therefore, please excuse what your poor servant. Please don't be angry. It was only because you treated me like such a close friend though I am unworthy, that I spoke like that to you. All right, my love, I am very pleased with you, so please come to me. But I have been blinded by lamentation. I can't see where you are. Please tell me where you are. Hmm. Okay. So this is kind of typical Srila uh, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, where he'll take, he'll take a verse... And in effect, he is expanding it uh, into a full-blown conversation. And, you know, we like to, we, we like to understand that uh, he's doing this not because he's just making it up, but rather that he, he has that insight. And we can say that uh, this points to what I mentioned before, the Bhagavatam is a summary. It's, it's not necessarily giving all the details of all the pastimes. And if you think about it also, because it's Krishna's pastimes, and Krishna's pastimes are unlimited, 
uh, it's not that you there there there's no way that one could give a full description it's just not possible because whatever you say there's going to be something more that happened something more that krishna said something more that uh one of his associates says or does and uh and so it's ever expanding but this is an interest this is a nice example of, of how the commentator is elaborating or unfolding or yeah we can say revealing some of the some of the details for what purpose for the purpose of uh, putting into sharp focus what is the actual mood uh, in which this verse is spoken uh, and so this back and forth between Krishna and Radha, it finally comes down to the last two lines where Krishna is saying, okay, um, I'm pleased with you now, so uh, you just come to me. And Ra Radha is saying, well, there's a problem. What is the problem? I'm overwhelmed by lamentation. And as a result, I'm blinded. I cannot see you. <laughs> so the highlight here is on the mood of lamentation, spiritual lamentation, which is blinding. And so we're here's a very nice example of what I mentioned at the end yesterday of uh, the sort of paradoxical situation of absence and presence. Remember, we talked about the Chinese yin-yang uh, symbol and how within, within the yin sign is a, a point showing yang and vice versa, within the yang sign is a point showing yin or yin. Um, the potential of one is in the opposite. So in this case, the story is Radha and Krishna have been together. Now they and Krishna has disappeared. Radharani is calling out, but what is the mood of her calling? The mood of her calling is a kind of desperation, of lamentation, and that is blinding her to the fact that Krishna is actually present. <laughs> there's a technical term for this. I can't remember it just now, but there's... Uh, Srila Rupa Goswami gives a technical term for that, where Krishna is present, but Radharani feels that he's absent. Is it Madhanakya Bhav, Maharaj? Madhanakya Bhav? Mm. Mm. Um, I'm thinking of a different term. Prema Vaichitya, Maharaj. That's it. Thank you. Prema Vaichitya. Yes. Okay, who wants to read the last four verses, uh, starting verse number 40? 
Can I continue, Maharaj? Please. Verse number 40. Sukhdev Goswami said, While continuing to search out Krishna's path, the gopis discovered their unhappy friend close by. She was bewildered by separation from her lover. 41. She told them how Madhava had given her much respect, but how she then suffered dishonor because of her misbehavior. The gopis were extremely amazed to hear this. 42. In search of Krishna, the gopis then entered the depths of the forest as far as the light of the moon shone. But when they found themselves engulfed in darkness, they decided to turn back. 43. At their minds absorbed in thoughts of him, they conversed about him, acted out his pastimes and felt themselves filled with his presence. They completely forgot about their homes as they loudly sang the glories of Krishna's transcendental qualities. The gopis again came to the bank of the Kalindi, meditating on Krishna and eagerly hoping he would come. They sat down together to sing of him. Mm. So, there's mention here of the moonlight. And what was the situation in the very beginning of chapter 29? Uh, the, the full moon was rising, and this became an inspiration for Sri Krishna to perform the rasa dance, playing his flute and so on. So the moon has been there, and the gopis came and... After some back and forth, Krishna uh, yielded to their strong desire to have the rasa dance. They danced for some time. Krishna detects uh, the gopi's pride and sees that this pride is, is an obstacle uh, to the pure exchange of love. And therefore, in order to uh, purify and intensify their love. He disappears. The gopis, the gopis could at this point have done different things. Uh, they might have just sat down where they were and lamented. Oh, Krishna left. We're so foolish. Uh, they could have just sat and lamented with each other. They could have cried on each other's shoulders. But they didn't. Uh, rather, they immediately went after Krishna, looking for him. Uh, now, in my mind, uh, this is a group of not so many gopis, it's just, I don't know, maybe a dozen gopis. That's the picture I have in my mind. We don't hear any numbers. But when the full rasa dance takes place, again, from commentaries, I believe it's, it says there were thousands, millions of gopis. 
in any case, they're uh, very purposefully looking for Krishna. And this leads them to see a sign, an indication of Krishna's presence. And what is that? His footprints. Uh, and this gives them new inspiration, new hope. They follow the footprints, but what do they find? They find now there's two sets of footprints, and they're, it says, well mixed with each other. And, and then they work out a story of what happens after this, uh, of this special gopi, the exchange of this special gopi with Krishna, just from the evidence of uh, two sets of footprints, then the mixing, then the uh, strong, imp more deeply impressed footprints, meaning Krishna must have lifted Radharani up. And then there's one set of footprints they understand Krishna has left. And sure enough, what they find uh, Shiradika sitting uh, alone and in this very remorseful state. Uh, all together, and, and they, mm, it says, the gopis were extremely amazed to hear what they heard uh, from Radharani, Vismayam Paramam Yayu. And we may a little bit wonder why they were amazed, considering that they already anticipated uh, that this is what happened. But in any case, they were amazed. Uh, uh, it says in the purport, uh, it was natural for Radharani to ask Krishna to carry her, for this request was consistent with the loving mood of their relationship. Now, however, in great humility, she describes her behavior as wicked. Hearing of these affairs, the other gopis are astonished. In any case, astonishment, wonder, adbhuta, is a subordinate rasa, according to Srila Rupa Goswami, uh, one of the seven subordinate rasas. Uh, they go on searching for some time, but now the moon light is becoming more and more obscure as they go deeper into the forest. So everything has been started with the moon, the full moon and the moonlight, and now the moon has gone from their vision. And so what do they do? They turn back and they sit on the bank of the Yamuna, the Kalindi, and they begin singing. But their singing is not a hopeless singing. Um, Tat agamana kangshita, they eagerly desired uh, for Krishna's return. So one could say that this moment is, 
in terms of drama, uh, this is a kind of this is a kind of low point. They've been, you know, they meet Krishna, they dance with Krishna, Krishna disappears, they search for Krishna, they hope to see him, they see Radharani, but then the moon is no longer, and now, now it's come to a kind of quiet moment. And the next chapter, uh, a short chapter, is going to be the Gopi's Song of Separation. Uh, so this will be, this is the center of the drama in more ways than one. It's, it's a dramatic interlude. Interlude means it's in between uh, the action on both sides. So that's what we have coming up tomorrow. Hare Krishna. Uh, Shimati Hema Gopi Devi. Hare Krishna Maharaj. I Hare have Krishna. a question. Yes. Uh, Maharaj, um, Ram Krishna Prabhu was telling something like uh, uh, Krishna was making the gopis express what is their desire. Mm. Uh, 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 so I was wondering if gopis ever had a desire separate from Krishna's desire. Mm. Was Rasalila Krishna's desire or gopis desire? Ah. I was wondering. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe we should have a debate on that subject. <laughs> that would be a subject for a debate. Was the Rasalila Krishna's desire or was it the gopis' desire? I think Ramakrishna would like to say that it's the gopis' desire. Am I right? Yes, Maharaj, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly, okay. <laughs> but someone might counter. Um, one moment, we go. Uh, someone just might counter with... Chapter 29, verse number 1. <clears throat> Sri Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, full in all opulences, yet upon seeing those autumn nights scented with blossoming jasmine flowers, he turned his mind toward loving affairs. To fulfill his purposes, he employed his internal potency. So what would you say to that? That's precisely what he wanted. And all the gopis, he aroused the desires within the hearts of the gopis to fulfill that. So his desire is to fulfill the desire of the gopis. Yes, that's why the Yoga Maya actually enacted that. Mm. Okay. Okay. Could we say it's a combination of Krishna's desire and the gopis' desire? Or do you want to say, no, it's the gopis' desire and Krishna wants to fulfill that? Krishna is the knower of everything. And uh, the gopis have been desiring to have a union with Krishna for a very, very long time, as we see from different chapters before. Right. So 
when they were lamenting that the the gopas are able to be with krishna all the time in the forest and we don't yeah. get an opportunity right and uh, they were trying to get a glimpse of him hiding somewhere behind the bushes and seeing him between the leaves so they had a very very intense desire from within their hearts mm. and krishna being atmarama he is actually uh, satisfied from within himself but he reciprocates to the desires of these gopis and so he makes the arrangements suitable so that that desires would be fulfilled hmm okay hmm yes maharaj uh, can i speak something on this please but it makes krishna's picture very dry and very uh, not filled with rasa because he is a supreme enjoyer and if he he just meant to supply or fulfill the desires of the devotees while having no personal desires looks like a very dry person not a person who likes to rejoice the rasa so somehow i didn't felt that this picture of krishna just fulfilling the desires of the devotees to be so much relatable okay it sounds too much like nitya nityanam chaitanas chaitananam eko bahunam yo vidadati kamal right <laughs> it sounds too op- upanishadic it's true i would say also um we need to remember and acknowledge that krishna is referred to as kaminya as a lusty boy as it's translated um and so i i don't know i think it's uh can be taken in different ways but your point Ananta Gorsundar is if you think of it as only him reciprocating responding to the gopi's desires then that looks like krishna is just kind of That's doing he's, it. Like he's just doing a job is that it yeah what well, uh, i think we have to go back to ramakrishna he needs to defend his position now <laughs> as we understand the uh, introduction of the bhakti rasamrita sindhu which says that krishna is the akila rasamrita murti right the king of all rasas mm. and everything actually emanates from him it's not that because he is facilitating the desires of the devotees that he doesn't take interest in them mm. he actually becomes fully identified with those rasas otherwise just like if if a parent wants to satisfy the child and he can give him some money and say okay you can go and buy that's like dry nitya nityana mm. but if the father goes along with the child be a part of his selection and gives him what he wants it that rasa is extremely uh, relishing for both the parent and the child mm. so in the same way in this concept of how he arouses the desires within the gopis and he becomes a part of them to choose and then he also fulfills those desires mm. even though he actually doesn't need those fulfillment mm. okay um an interest you gave an, an interesting analogy uh, of a f- you know a father and a child and um one of the features of analogies is that they 
give insight into a particular point, and at the same time, the analogy will have some downside, some limitation. So I can imagine someone saying, well, uh, your analogy doesn't work because uh, what you gave as an analogy would be appropriate for vatsalya rasa, uh, but here we're talking about Madhurya Rasa. But anyway, I'm just just uh, reflecting on that. Well, uh, I see some more hands up, and I think I have to request you to keep uh, make a note of what you want to say, and we can save it for tomorrow. And tomorrow we will proceed with... Chapter 31, The Gopi's Songs of Separation. Very nice. So have a very nice remainder of uh, the day and night, and we will see you all tomorrow. Thank you so much, and Grantaraja Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Anantakoti Vaishnavarinda ki jai. Srila Prabhupada ki jai. Nitai Gora Prema Nande Hari Hari Bo. Hari Bo. Hari Krishna. Hari Nesh Krishna Kshetra Sopati jai.